Let's go to Exodus 23. Today is the message that I've kind of been teasing you with a little bit, titled this, My Blessing Wrapped in an Enemy. How would a blessing come to you wrapped in an enemy? I told you, some of the greatest things God does for us, some of our greatest gifts we receive from God, have come to us wrapped in unlikely packages. And today, we're going to understand why God sometimes sends your gift wrapped up in an enemy. All right? Uh, we're, going to, we're going to take a little second look. I think we miss some things sometimes. So we're here in Exodus chapter 23. I should probably turn there in my Bible as well. Exodus 23. And I want to read verse 27 through 30 with you to get started. All right? We're, keep your Bibles open and your devices uh, open and, and uh, ready. We're going to look at several passages. But let's begin with verse 27. This is what we read. I will send my terror ahead of you and throw into confusion every nation you encounter. I will make all your enemies turn their backs and run. I will send the hornet ahead of you to drive the Hivites, Canaanites, and Hittites out of your ways. Let me stop there. What in the world is this conversation about? We're going to read some more in a moment. What's happening here? God's making a promise to whom? To the nation of Israel. Why, why is this needed? Why is God needing to reinforce these people and encourage these people with such powerful language? Well, think about it for a moment. He's preparing a nation of slaves for 400 years, generation after generation after generation of Israelites, the entire nation, have been enslaved inside the nation of Egypt. They were God's chosen people. They were called. There was a mandate on them. And yet here they had dwelled in Egypt for 400 years enslaved. They did not own anything. They did not own the home they lived in. They did not own the ground they worked on. They did not own the clothes on their back. They did not own the food that was on their table. They had become a nation. It's, it's unique. There is no precedent for this in human sociology or history for a nation in its entirety to live inside the borders of another nation and for four centuries be slaves, the whole nation. There's nothing to compare to it. We understand the horrible, uh, horrible plague of slavery that, that has operated in the cultures of our world including our own country, and, and, and I'm thankful we overcame that in this country and they no longer exist. But this is an unprecedented situation. I don't think we, we sometimes kind of read through Scripture and don't think about the, the, the history, the setting. A nation inside a nation. A nation of slaves. Everyone was a slave. And now, think of this, in one night, of course, that's how we look at a lot of things. God had been doing several things to prepare them, the ten plagues and, and that visited upon Egypt. But in, in one day, Pharaoh says, okay, get out of here. You can go. Leave. Leave before we all die. And in one night, they go from 400 years of slavery to a free nation. And what are they going to do with themselves? They have no experience. They, they, are, they are completely unprepared for what's about to take place in their life. 400 years of slavery. And so God is encouraging them because they are transitioning, think of this, from, from slaves to an army. 
an invading army, not a defensive army, but an army of proactivity, an army of invasion. They, they, their mentality, think of the mentality. There was no one to look to. They, 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 not their father or their grandfather or their great-grandfather or their uncle. No one in their family had ever been a warrior. No one in this nation had ever fought a battle. There, there, was, there was no precedent. Think of the paradigm shift. Are you with me? Think of this. They had no point of reference. And they are going to transition in, in, in a march. Now, you understand how long did it take them to get from Egypt to Israel? How long did it take? What was it? How long in the desert? Forty years. So the entire original generation of adults died. And only Joshua and Caleb went into the promised land. But if you look at the map and you track the time, it was God's plan for this nation to arrive on the borders of the promised land within six months. Six months. Could have easily made the journey. And yet their disobedience and rebellion transitioned that into 40 years. So think of this. God's plan was for a nation of slaves to be shifted in every way in six months. They would put behind them 400 years and become a brand new group of people. An army. They had to become an army. And not only did they have to get ready to become an army, are you with me? They, they were about to become landowners. They were going to own the land they lived on. They were going to own the house they lived in. They were going to plant their own crop and reap their own harvest. Are, are you with me? This, this is a radical paradigm shift in everything that they could compare. And so we, we have to see this is unprecedented. So we go back again, and, 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 and let me say, Pastor, why do you kind of take that point? Because what I want to tell you, listen to me today, is that no matter who your family is or what your family's done, no matter how good or bad your history is, no matter what sins your fathers may have committed, no matter what generational curses the enemy has tried to lay upon your neck, when you walk into the will and the purpose and the plan of God for your life, when you accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior, every stronghold, every mindset, everything the devil has done, your fam listen to me, your family may have been alcoholics for 400 years. Your family may have been drug addicts for 400 years. Your family may have been Ku Klux Klan for 400 years. Your family may have been in depression for 400 years. Your family may have been broke, poor, and angry for 400 years. Your family may have been arrogant and prejudiced for 400 years. But when you meet Jesus, Jesus as Savior and Lord. There is a shift in who you are and what you do. There is nothing that has happened that is greater than what will happen when we walk into the purpose of God in our life. How many are thankful for that today? So, so listen to me. Let's stop making excuses. The devil is always more afraid of your future than he is your past. He trembles at your future. Everybody with me? All right. So this is what we need to understand. So, so let's go back again now to verse 27. So what does God need to tell somebody like this? They need some extra encouragement and divine intervention. Amen? So he said, I will send my terror ahead of you and throw into confusion every nation you encounter. I will make all your enemies turn their backs and run. I like that. If I don't really know how to fight, I'd prefer them to run before the fight starts. What about you? 
Doesn't that make a lot of sense? I remember, and I'm not happy about this. I'll go real quick with this. Maybe I should or shouldn't say it. What, what, one of the, this is BC days. Everybody know what BC means before Christ. All right. So one of the greatest, one of the greatest fights I ever won in my BC days is one I didn't fight. There, there was a situation which I don't think needs to be described in details. We don't want to give it the devil the glory. And I remember this guy comes up to me one night and, and a big crowd walked up with him and, and, and he's angry about something. And he's older than me. I'm in high school, and and I'm sitting in my car. And he says, with some very colorful language we don't use in church, that if if, if that <coughs> guy gets out of the car, I'm gonna do this. So I, I guess he thought I wasn't gonna get out of the car after talking to me like that. Now I know I'm not the biggest guy in town, but I already told you it's not the size of the dog in the fight; it's the size of the fight in the dog. He stepped on my tail. So I got out of the car. And I got out of the car and slammed the door like I was a big guy. You understand what I'm saying? Took my coat off. Got out of that car. And he just looked at me. I don't think he thought I was going to get out of the car. And he looked at me. And I looked at him. He looked at me. And I looked at him. He looked at me. I looked at him. Finally, his friend says, man, come on, let's just leave. And he left. I thought, well, that was easy. And I was... <laughs> the next day I went to school and all the older guys said, Hey, where'd he go? I was like, yeah, where'd he go? I'm like, hey, this is good. I like this stuff, you know. And sometimes we need some help, don't we? And, and, and God said, look, you, you, you show up and you're not going to fight. They're going to run when you come. That's, that's nice. But you and I have to show up. Sometimes when the devil says, if that so-and-so gets out of that car, I'm going to whip you. You need to go ahead and get out of the car. You know, you know that old guy saying wasn't out how big a boy are you you know what i'm saying and, okay go on. so he says uh i'll make your enemies turn their backs and run who will do that god will do that look at this next promise this is crazy here come on this is crazy i'll send the hornet ahead of you really what is that you know you're going to fight a battle he says i'm going to i'm going to send hornets to sting these people i'm like okay now man where did that come from I'll send the hornet ahead of you to drive the Hivites, Canaanites, and Hittites out of your way. Now look at verse 29. I stopped before we got here. Look at this. But, look at this. Here's, here's, everything's sounding really good right now, isn't it? Now comes the gift wrapping. Are you with me? That He's telling us what's in the package. Now I got to see what it's wrapped in. With me? Look at this. But, I'm not driving them out in a single year. Oh, come on, God. It was sounding good till now. I'm not going to do it in a single year. Why? Look at this. Because the land would become desolate and the wild animals too numerous for you. Did you get that? He's, this is what he said. I'm going to wrap your blessing in the Hivites, Hittites, Amorites because if I didn't have that enemy guarding your blessing, the enemy that's behind it is even bigger than they are. So he said, I can't get rid of all those guys today because the wild animals would be greater than them. Because the proliferation of wild animals would be worse if the land became desolate than what those enemies are. And then your ground is ruined. So sometimes God says, I am going to bless you. But I'm going to wrap it in this enemy. And I look at the enemy and I think this is a good. But what I don't see, that enemy is actually better than the enemy that's standing behind it. And if I don't understand this minute, I don't get the next one. Look, so he says, watch this. Little by little, I'll drive them out before you 
until what? Until what? Until you have increased enough to take possession of the land. Okay, so so we got to get this. So let's look. Will God do the things he said? Okay, so here's the, here's the great thing about getting to read the Bible and looking back. So in Exodus, we see the promise. In Joshua, we get to see what he did. So, so look at verse 27. Come on, watch this. What does he say? I will send my terror ahead of you and throw into confusion every nation you encounter. Okay, we're going to come back to Exodus 23, but let's look at Joshua chapter 2 and verse 8. Now, God said he was going to do it. Let's go to Joshua, and let's see what happens when they show up. Come on, I love this. I love what God will do. How many know God is faithful? God will do what he said. Maybe some of you are wondering, I know God can promise, but can he deliver? I'm glad you asked that question. Look at Joshua chapter 2 and verse number 8. Remember what we just read? I'm going to throw him into terror. Joshua 2, 8. What are we reading here? This is Jericho. This is the first city they conquered 40 years after the promise. This is the situation when they're hiding in the house of Rahab, the prostitute whose life was transformed encountering the people of God. Watch this. Before the spies lay down for the night, Rahab went up on the roof and said to them, listen, remember what we read in verse 27? She says, I know that the Lord has given this land to you and that a great fear of you has fallen on all of us. What did God say he'd do? First city. This is what he said, all right? And a great fear has fallen on all of us so that all who live in this country are melting in fear because of you. Exactly what God said. We have heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea for you when you came out of Egypt and what you did to Sihon and Og, the two kings of the Amorites east of the Jordan, whom you completely destroyed. When we heard of it, our hearts melted and everyone's courage failed because of you. For the Lord your God is God in heaven above and on the earth below. God said, I'm going to send terror. They arrived there 40 years later. And what happened? They were in terror. When God makes you a promise, even if it takes you 40 years to get there, he remembers what he said. And if you and I will just trust him, no matter how crazy the wrapping on the package looks, God will do what he said. Now look at this. Let's go to verse 28. Come on. I just want you to see this. The next thing he said, I will send the hornet ahead of you. Now what a crazy battle strategy is that? Who ever heard of that? Well, God did. Hold your place. Let's go to Joshua 24 and verse 12. See, I love this. I have a lot of people say, oh, that sounds good. No, it is good. God did what he said. Let's go to Joshua 24. Now here, here we are in Joshua 24 and uh, Joshua is getting ready to, to hand off the leadership. They, they have gathered it and, and they're renewing their covenant and he's telling the people farewell and they, they have taken the promised land and he's recounting the faithfulness of God. In Joshua 24 and verse number 12, this, this is what we read. He says, uh, let me find it. He said, I sent the hornet ahead of you, <laughs> which drove them out before you. Also the two Amorite kings, you did not do it with your own sword and bow. Did you see that? He said, so I sent him ahead of them. I don't know how it works. And I've never read about any battle strategy. Okay, we're going to show up. And right before the battle starts, they're going to get scared to death. And then a swarm of hornets is going to come sting them and send them out of the way. But God did exactly what he said. He's faithful, isn't he? 
If God makes a promise, God is going to fulfill it. Now, let's go back to 29, verse 29. Look at it again. But I will not drive them out in a single year because the land would become desolate and the wild animals would be too numerous for you. Here's this incredible gift wrapped in the enemies that lived on the land. But see, I want you to get this. Sometimes the the obvious, the immediate enemy, the gift wrapping, looks so intimidating to us, we never step in and go for what's on the inside. Sometimes we're so concerned with with, with the enemies in in, in the promised land that we never leave Egypt. A whole generation did that. Do you understand that? A whole generation died in the desert. It was their children that went in and took the land. It was their children that saw the terror of their enemies. It was their children that watched armies run from the hornets. This generation looked at the blessing, heard what God said. They had seen the Red Sea parted. They had seen the miracles in Egypt. They had seen it firsthand. But when it came time to go in the promised land, because the promise was wrapped in an enemy, they refused to believe that God could do what he said. And because they never dared to unwrap their blessing, to face the enemy that stood between them, they never received the promise in their life waiting for someone else see what happened what happened that immediate enemy was actually think of this protecting them from a greater enemy have you ever thought about that the obstacle you're facing right now is actually protecting you from a greater obstacle that's behind it right now we think the enemy we're facing today is the worst thing that could have ever happened to us and it may be a blessing that we don't even understand because God said I'm going to take care of the enemy he said I got the enemy What I need to do, listen, are you ready? I need you to grow up. See, he said, I've got the enemies, but but, but I can't knock this enemy down because you're not ready for the one that's behind it. Are you with me? I, I have to face this one before I'm ready to face that one. Okay? He says in verse 29, here it is, I'll I will not drive them out in a single year, but because the land will become desolate and the wild animals too numerous... How is he going to do it? He said, tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to do it little by little. And listen, how fast will he do it? Are you with me? Well, that's based on you and me. How fast will you do it? Well, he says, I'm going to do it little by little until you have increased enough to take possession of the land. It's a process sometimes, guys. Are you with me? We have to develop. We have to grow up. We have to mature. We have to be able to steward what God is getting ready to give us. It's kind of like, you know, the uh, prodigal son came to his father. said, look, old man, who knows how long you're going to live? I want my inheritance now. I want it right now. I don't want to wait for you to die. I'm young. You know how that, when you're young, you think you're Superman. You think you're bulletproof. You think your brain's ten times the size it really is. He said, I want my money now. I want it now. And his dad said, here's your money. What do you do with it? Spent it, wasted, ended up broke, crawled home, ashamed of who, who he was. You know what? The Heavenly Father is wiser than that father. <laughs> and you and I may demand what we want today, but God loves you too much to give you something that's going to destroy you. And so he says, you know, I got the enemy. 
and they're going to go. That's on me. I, I like that. Don't you? Usually the enemy is what we're afraid of. He said, the enemy's on me. I've got the enemy. What I want you to do is increase until you're able to take care of what I'm going to give you. He said, we're going to do this little by little. So, so listen, think of this. My present enemy is my opportunity to advance to the next place in my life. My present enemy is just my opportunity to advance to the next place in my life. Look at Romans chapter 5 with me, verse number 1. Why does God send me a blessing wrapped in an enemy? Because he's working for my good. How many hear what I'm saying? See, God will even use the enemies that want to destroy us if we'll walk with it, with him. He'll make something good come out of that. Listen to me. God doesn't create the bad things. How many heard what I just said? He doesn't create evil. God doesn't use evil. He's not a God who uses evil to accomplish his purposes. But God will use what the enemy designed to kill you to bless you if you'll walk with him in the process. All right? So look at Romans 5, verse 1. Watch this. Stay with me. I want to read about five verses. Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. Now watch this. Watch this. Little by little, until you're ready to occupy what I give you. So what does he say? Ready? And we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. Not only so, but we also rejoice in our sufferings. Come on now. Now, listen. These are people with a martyr complex. He didn't say, I rejoice for my sufferings. Look at your Bible. Big difference, for and in, isn't it? But he said, I rejoice in my suffering. Why? Because the first rejoicing, look at your Bible, what was the sequence? He said, first, I'm rejoicing in hope. Hallelujah. See, if I don't have hope, I don't have, I, I don't get the rest of this. It starts with hope. I'm rejoicing in my hope. God sent me a blessing wrapped in an enemy, but I'm not afraid of the gift wrap because I have hope in my God that he will do what he said he would do. So I'm just going to walk up and start unwrapping this gift. Are you with me? I'm going to engage this. I'm going to step into it. I'm not backing up. I'm going to unwrap this gift. Why? Because God has something on the inside for me. And watch what happens while little by little. So he says, not only so we rejoice in our sufferings. Why? Are you with me? Are you reading? Because we know that what does suffering produce? Perseverance. And perseverance produces what? Character, not characters. Character. And character, what? Hope. And hope does not disappoint us. Uh, because God has poured out his love into our hearts by the Holy Spirit whom he's given us. You understand? We walk up to that moment. And, 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 and our promised land is wrapped in the Hivites and the Hittites and the Amorites and the Philistines. And, are you with me? And we say, wow, that's an ugly gift wrapping. That looks like a formidable enemy to stand on my promised land. But God says, I have the enemy. You trust me and grow. And little by little, as I know you can handle what I have planned for you, you're going to have everything you ever prayed for in your life. See, see, you've been a slave for 400 years. You don't know how to plant a crop. You don't know how to take care of a house. You don't know how to be a landowner. You don't know how to be an entrepreneur. You don't know how to use a sword. You don't know how to use a spear. You don't know how to use a shield. But if you will walk with me little by little, I'm going to show you how to hold a shield. I'm going to show you how to use a sword. 
Lord. You're just a little baby Christian, but I've got a big boy gift for you. So you're going to have to learn to take up the shield of faith and quench the fiery darts of the enemy. You're going to have to take the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, and you're going to have to wade into some things. See, you're going to have to put on the helmet of salvation and the breastplate of righteousness and gird your loins with the belt of truth and put the sandals on your feet and get that shield and grab that sword and let's go after these boys because if God be for you, who's going to be against you? And if you don't learn to do that, I can't take you to the next place. Are you with me? Because if I can't fight the devil over two square feet, how am I going to hang on to a hundred miles of what God gave me? All right? So we got to work on this. Got to work on this. Everybody with me? You know, that enemy is just my opportunity to get ready for the bigger things that are on the other side. But I've got to face this one. What's going to happen? So so what am I going to do? Because of the hope I'm rejoicing in, I'm going to also rejoice in my suffering. So it's hard right now. It's intimidating right now. Can you imagine how that, that army felt the first time they went into battle? Can you imagine how intimidating that was? You know, they're looking around. And you, you got a bunch of rookies. You know what I'm saying? They're, they're a bunch of rookies. And they're hand-to-hand combat. They never fought anybody. What are they going to do? So, man, you're in your tent the night before. You, you probably got a whole lot of shaking going on. You understand? So what do you say? Okay, God, I'm going to rejoice in my suffering. Because I know that if I could do this suffering, it's going to produce what in me? Perseverance. So so listen, we're going to make a decision. We're not walking off just because it gets tough. Everybody with me? We're not going to walk off when it gets tough. What am I going to do when God doesn't answer the prayer the way I want him to answer the prayer? When the one I love dies? When my dream seems over? When I didn't get the promotion. When they were unfair to me. When my spouse walks off and leaves me. When my children are prodigal. What am I going to do? Am I going to take my toys and go home? Am I going to be a fair weather Christian? Am I going to walk off on God? Am I going to slam my Bible closed and say God doesn't work and the Bible's not true? Or am I going to walk into that suffering like I did in my hope? Am I going to rejoice in the midst of my hard time like I rejoiced in the midst of my good time? Am I going to go to battle or not go to battle? Am I going to face it or not face it? What am I going to do? And he says that, if, look guys, if we'll be able to trust him in our time of suffering when it's tough, it's going to produce perseverance. Dear God, we need perseverance right now. We need people we can count on right now. Come on, pastors need church members who he can count on right now. Come on, you understand? I need to know when we charge that I'm not running in there by myself. Come on, come on. You husbands and wives know that when you're facing a hard time, you don't need to look at one another on Monday and say, we're going to go for this. And on Tuesday, you're by yourself. We need some perseverance. Come on. Anybody understand what I'm saying? We need somebody I can count on. You can count on. I want to be somebody God can count on. That when the going gets tough, we're here. We're here. We got you. We've got you. Don't We're here. Anybody with me in that? That, that suffering will produce perseverance, and perseverance will produce what? Character. As I said, man, we got enough characters in this world. We need some character. 
We need some people that are solid. Come on, don't you want to be that guy? Don't you want to be that woman? Don't you want want to be solid? They've got character. This person is true. This person you can count on. This person is the same 24-7. Anybody hear what I'm saying? We need that right now. Hey, I want to raise my children and grandchildren up to have character. And, you know, they're probably not going to suffer much as a kid, but they may watch the way you walk through the hard time. And and the perseverance and character you develop is going to pass down to them. Hey, listen, let's make a decision. I refuse to teach my family how to run away when it's hard. I refuse for my children to watch me give up when it gets tough. I refuse to teach them that God's only good sometimes. Hey, this is, I didn't plan on this, but I'm going to say it anyway. I feel like it's God. I'm, I, listen, I'm going to teach them that where I go to church, I'm not going to sell up and leave the first time I don't like something. I'm not going to teach my children how to be spiritual tumbleweeds. I'm going to hang in there till we get this thing done. That's how family operates. Come on, anybody hear what I'm saying? That's what family is. We just need some people with some perseverance and character. So we keep moving on. How many still happy right now? (laughs) And and what does character produce? Character, hope, back where you started. See that circle of hope? Now, let's go to chapter 8. Come on, this will be a little more fun than that. Let's look at chapter 8. See what, little by little, can you see what we're learning here? Little by little, don't be afraid to unwrap that package because of the promise inside that package. That enemy, listen, have you ever realized this? That enemy is literally guarding your blessings. Is that crazy? (laughs) God is actually using the strategies of the devil to protect a blessing he's about to give you. Dear God, I never thought about that in my life. Come on, are you with me? He's literally using your enemy to guard your future till you're ready to defeat him and go to the next place. My goodness gracious. Might change the way we look at some things. So look at Romans chapter 8, verse 26. In the same way, come on, look at this. We're trying to unwrap those ugly packages. The Spirit helps us in our weakness. We don't know what we ought to pray for. Anybody ever been there? God, I, I prayed everything I know to pray about this. I don't know what to pray. We've all been there. But the Spirit Himself intercedes for us. Oh, yeah, come on. <laughs> With groans that words cannot express. There are times, oh, Jesus, I don't know what to pray. But I'm so thankful that the New Testament's still all in place. Anybody with me? I've been baptized in the Holy Spirit, and God, just so thankful, blessed me with a prayer language. I pray in tongues. I pray in tongues every day. And you know what? My IQ hasn't dropped. I still study. In fact, it's gone up some. I'm intelligent. I can work through life. You know, I pray in tongues and haven't lost my mind. It's been good for me. And sometimes I don't know how to pray. And the Spirit Himself begins to intercede for me. My God, my God. And I don't know what to say, but the Holy Spirit begins to pray through me. Ever been there? Ever had that blessing? And what happens when He's doing that? Look at this. Look at this. And he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for the saints in accordance with God's will. Oh, did you hear that? When you don't know how to pray, the Holy Spirit will pray through you. 
and you're praying the will of God. Isn't that what you want in your life? The will of God. The will of God. You're praying. The Spirit of God's praying through you. 1 Corinthians 14 says, my mind has hit its limit, but the Spirit is unlimited in what I'm praying. Although my mind's unfruitful, my spirit is alive. See, do you know that God can pray beyond what you and I know? Come on, isn't that exciting? Isn't that exciting that God knows what I don't know? And he'll literally help me tap into that and pray from his perspective. And when I don't know the will of God, God will help me pray the will of God in my life. Why? Why? Because I'm unwrapping some ugly packages and I don't understand why my blessing is wrapped up in this enemy. But I'm just praying about it. You understand? I'm just walking in it. I'm just going in it. And I'm praying in the spirit. I'm walking in this thing. And and and, and so we keep reading. So what, what begins to happen as we do that? Look at verse 31. What then shall we say? Verse 31, same chapter in response to this. Come on, look at this. My enemy's sitting on top of my blessing, Pastor. If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son but gave him up for us all, how will he not also along with him graciously give us all things? See, God said, I got it. Just keep growing. Who will... Uh, who will bring any charge against those whom God has chosen? It is God who justifies. Who is he that condemns Christ Jesus who died? More than that was raised to life is at the right hand of God and is interceding for us. Who will separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword as it is written for your sake we face death all day long. We are considered as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor demons, neither the present, nor the future, nor any powers, neither height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. We just keep going little by little, step by step, victory by victory. That enemy is not going to kill me. He's just guarding my future. So I'm ready to whip him and take on the big boy that's waiting on the other side. Sometimes God will wrap your blessing in an enemy. Seems like the thing that will kill you, but God will bless you. Let, let me give you one more. The, the, the New Testament isn't shy about this process. James 1 verse 2, turn there with me. And, and then I want to give you an illustration and we're going to close. James chapter 1 and verse 2. Sometimes the blessings wrapped in an enemy. God says, I, I, I can't run those Hivites, Hittites, Amorites out in a year because the, the wild beasts would take over. There would be worse than so I'll, we'll take care of that in me when you're ready for the next one. James 1 verse 2. Consider it pure joy. Wow. My brothers, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith, look at this word, we must need to persevere. The testing of your faith develops perseverance. And perseverance, look at this, must finish its work so that you may be mature and complete. Not lacking anything. Evidently, we need some enemies sometimes. Did you get that? Evidently, we need some enemies sometimes. Because they're going to guard the blessing while God's preparing us for the next level in our life. Isn't that amazing? Get this. God says, I've got the enemies. God says, the enemies are my part. The development's your part. All right? Let's look at this. Think of this. 
Here's David, young man. Saul has become the first king of Israel. He has failed God. He's betrayed God. The Spirit of God has departed from him, Scripture says. And God speaks to the, the prophet priest Samuel and says, you go to the house of Jesse, one of his sons, going to be the king. And you know the story. His older brothers were all presented, and they didn't even call David in out of the sheepfold. And so the prophet goes through, and he looks at all the brothers, and the Spirit of God says, not any of these. And he looks at his dad. He said, I know God sent me here to anoint the next king. Are these all your boys? He said, well, the runt of the litter's out there with the sheep. He hadn't even taken a shower or anything. He smells like sheep. He's out there. And I love it. The prophet said, nobody's going to sit down until that boy comes in here. You know, those pushy big brothers, you know, they've been hitting him on the head and all that stuff, and now they got to stand and wait for a little boy to come in. Tommy, stand there. Here he comes in. No, David walks in. Got his harp under one arm, his shepherd staff in the other. You know, comes walking in there, big eyed. Yes, sir. The Spirit of God says, That's him. That's him. The prophet takes the horn of oil out in front of his dad and his disbelieving family. You know, they say behind every great man is a shot mother in law. Anyway, you know, there's the the, uh, family looking at this boy. You know, he's looking at him. Front of his biggest doubt, he pours the oil of anointing on his head. God's chosen him and anointed him. Are you with me? You're going to be the king. What a promise. What a gift. What a blessing. So the, the prophet leaves. You know, his dad had said, Get back out there to the sheep. Whoa, wait a minute. You, was I the only one that got that? The oil's still on my head. I still smell like it. Good. Get back out there with the sheep. Sometimes God wraps your next blessing in some weird packages. David was wrapped in sheep wool. And so David goes back out to the sheep. Watch this. He said, what? Why, God? Why? Why? If, if the gift is to be the king, you gave the promise he's going to be the king, why do you have to go tend sheep? Because he needed to go tend sheep. Because, watch this. I don't want to discourage you, I just want to help you. Because it's not just one battle if you keep growing as a believer. It's not just one gift you're going to have to unwrap if you enter into the greatness God has for you. So he has to go back and, and, and look at his promise wrapped in a sheep skin. And, and that wasn't the, that, that looked like an enemy, like, man, why do I got to be able to do this? Because, because here's what, he had to get that right because the other side was a lion and a bear. Huh? You with me? So, 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 see, so, so now he 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 got through the sheep wrapping, and uh, now my wife's twin brother. It, you just have to know Phil. He's a character. He does that with his Christmas gifts. That rascal will wrap the gift five or six times. The one gift with about three rolls of Scotch tape. I mean, it, it's just like <laughs> you, you about halfway through, you think. This better be a good gift because I'm getting sick and tired of unwrapping this thing. You understand what I'm saying? He really does that. So, so David's thinking, okay, if I can unwrap this sheep thing, I got it. And he unwraps the sheep thing, and dear God, there's a lion and a bear with me. He says, all right, little by little. See, see we got to prove we can take care of the sheep. 
before I prove I can take care of that lion and that bear. He loves me too much to let the lion eat me, so I got to learn on the sheep. See, some of us are mad at God right now. God, I thought you loved me. You said you for me. You've got hornets, and I don't hear the hornets. And you said, I don't see anybody afraid. And if you don't hurry up and do something, I'm just going to go somewhere else. And I'm, I'm going to get mad, God. And I'm going to start transcendental meditation or something else. And, and, and you just better become sick of these sheep, God. Well, he's trying to keep you from getting your backside chewed up by a lion. So just be quiet and take care of the sheep and learn that lesson. Because there's a lion and a bear on the other side. And when the lion and the bear come, you're going to go, well, if you did that, you're going to take care of this. And you did it. Right? And so you still don't understand why I can't get through the wrapping to the king stuff. But one day his dad says, hey, David. Yes, sir. I want you to go take this food to your big brothers that are fighting in the army. See how things are going. Yes, sir. So he leaves the sheep and he goes up. When he walks up, there's Goliath taunting the armies of God. And all the men are doing what? What the enemies are supposed to do. Do you get this? Not what God's people are supposed to do. And the giant's taunting him. And God's people are running in fear. And David goes, this is not how we're supposed to act. That's what the other guys are supposed to be doing. So he hears that and he says, okay, so what do I get if I kill this guy? And his brother gets mad at him. He says, go go back and shut your mouth and take care of your few little sheep. Leave us men alone. All right. So ask somebody else, what do I get if I kill this giant? Well, you don't pay taxes, you get to marry the king's daughter, and you get money. He said, all right, I'll fight that guy. Now remember, watch this, God had told him he was going to be king. But the way you became king in those cultures, you had to be in the king's family. The king was always followed by his heir. But David wasn't in the lineage of the king. So while it looks like this whole sheep package is a mess, and why do I have to kill a lion, and why do I have to kill a bear? It's because you're about to get to the last wrapping before the king saved. Because, see, down under all that is the giant wrapping. And, and, and if you kill the giant, then you got the promise that you marry the king's daughter. And so this impossible route to the throne is now happened because every enemy in front of me was a blessing to hold my promise until I was ready to get there. So the kingship, the throne of Israel was wrapped in a stinky, ugly, cussing giant named Goliath. But David had learned, I'm going to rejoice in my suffering because it produces perseverance. My perseverance gives me character. And my character keeps my hope alive. While I'm tending sheep and killing bears and killing lions and facing giants when nobody believes in me. Why? Because something's happened in me. And now this little boy who thought he was ready to be the king, he's ready now. Because little by little by little, he's increased enough to occupy the throne that God wants to give him. Are you with me? Come on, let's stand together right now. I want us to pray together today. I I believe that God is helping you understand why some people have given you some really ugly rap gifts in your life. Why has this one not moved out of my way? Because I know there's more. I hope inside of you today, you realize there's more to me than this. How many heard what I just said? I hope you haven't settled yet. I hope you haven't settled. See, I'm I'm at a point in my life where people start trying to figure you out by your age. 
And I just think, you don't know me. You don't know what's in here. You don't know what I've heard God say in here. You don't know what's left for me. Anybody understand what I'm talking about? So so don't don't start counting me out. I've got a lot of packages left unwrapped. Come on, how many of you come too far to give up now? Think with me for a minute. How many times, if you'll look back on your life, we may not have understood it, that hardship, when you handled it with God, turned into your promotion to the next level in your life. You know that problem at work that no one can solve? If you solve it, you get the promotion. Do you know that most people are paid not for what they can do, but for the problems they can solve? The promoted people and the people with money in their pocket are people who can solve problems that other people can't solve. You don't get paid money and get promoted for raising questions without answers. You get promoted and blessed and prospered for solving problems no one else has a solution for. Right? Isn't that right? I just put my head down going through the motions and somebody's got my head up and my eyes open. Really? And I know I'm here for a purpose. And God put me in this marketplace job. This all not just for church. You don't come here very often. I'm talking about the rest of your life outside those doors. See, if what I teach you in here doesn't work out there, you, we've all wasted our time this morning. This isn't theory. This is practice. This is reality. It works. And I'm going to tell you something. You'll trust God little by little. What you're facing right now is just an opportunity to prepare you for the greater thing God has on the other side. Don't ever give up on that. Don't ever give up on that. Pastor Joe, we want to lead us something. One of the songs here that puts in your heart that, that, that's what we're talking about. You know, here we are. Here we are. I, I believe, I, I want you to help you understand that enemy you're looking at. He's just guarding. Isn't that crazy? Is it like the, the God says, devil, you know, God's so far ahead of the devil. Now, come on, we got it. When are we going to get that? Oh, devil thinks he's got you whipped. God says, I appreciate you guarding that blessing for my boy. Huh? <laughs> I appreciate you dumb demons keeping my little girl's stuff safe till she's ready for it. Come on, you ever see that? God says, I got the enemies. I got them. Hornets, terror, whatever it takes. You grow. We'll get this thing done, all right?